Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, this Tuesday, October 27, 2020, we're waiting on John Hinderocker, but that's fine because Dave, in surprise, and I started a uh, dialogue in perhaps, maybe, but maybe not. Pardon? Pardon, Bill? Oh, great. Yeah, Dave, we'll come back to you shortly. It is a great pleasure to bring back John Hinderocker from the Powerline blog. John, how you doing? Hi, Seth. Doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, John, you've been writing up a bunch of things at Powerline I want to talk to you about, particularly your posts about what you saw in Scholastic Magazine and the polls. Let me play off the poll thing for a second right now. Gazing over nationally what you're seeing, what you're hearing, where do you think this race stands about seven days away, not about well, seven Seth, days away? Well, I think the short answer is nobody knows. You know, we are in uncharted waters in several different ways. You know, um, the polls really are, are, are quite similar to what they were in 2016. You know, people, a lot of people misremember, you know, the polling of 2016. If you, yeah. if you go back to July or something like that, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, had a big lead. But that was true again again this year, you know, in July and August and so on. Uh, you know, Joe Biden had a, had a substantial lead. But what the polls showed in 2016 was that the race was tightening as it got closer to election day. And, um, and then, of course, the polls stop. You know, you can't poll right up to and through election day. And so there's, you know, the window closes. And I, and I think it's reasonable to say that, um, you know, that last, those last days, people were making up their, their minds to vote for, for Trump. And I believe it's, it's true, Seth, that, that if you look at the last poll that was taken in each battleground state, the only one that was outside the margin of error was Wisconsin. I yeah. think the others were all within the margin of error. So the pollsters would say, hey, we got that right. Yeah. And, and I think what we're seeing this year when we look at the polls is something very similar. Uh, Biden at one time had a substantial lead. That lead has been narrowing. Um, and, and, you know, we'll go into election day, although, of course, nowadays we have election season, right? Yeah, right. But we'll go into election day, uh, you know, not really knowing uh, whether President Trump has managed to, to close that final distance or not. That not knowing is kind of interesting to me. I don't know which way this breaks. And it sounded like an important point. A friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, was saying to me the difference between now and 2016 is in 2016 no one was questioning the polls right that's true enough no one was really questioning the polls in 2016 right. which isn't to say that a lot of us including me i think you were actually predicting a trump victory but no one had this whole conversation of could the polls be wrong we have that now and i don't know which way that breaks i suppose we'll know in you know 10 days or so if you look closely enough, there's enough reason for doubt. Um, the Zogbies, which are Democrat, which is a Democratic polling organization, they think the polling, the, the the rest of the polling is off. They think this is 
this is a two-point race. We have lately seen some stuff from Trafalgar. You put up some stuff from Rasmussen lately. And the question that a lot of people will I mean, the thing a lot of people will say is, well, but the pollsters don't want to be wrong, so you know they had to have adjusted their models. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. They may or may not have adjusted their models. I don't think it matters whether they're, they're wrong or not, though, after the election. There's never been a price to be paid for being wrong. Whether you're a political well, consultant never been a or a pollster. to be paid for being wrong, yeah. you know, more than two weeks before the election. Right, you know? right. And I, I don't necessarily put it past pollsters to, uh, you know, jigger with their, with their, with their formulas right. in such a way as to help the Democratic Party yeah. Yeah. and then cover their bases by getting more honest as it gets closer to the election. I have no evidence that they do that. But yet we see the same thing over and over again, yeah. don't we? Yeah, and they do in large in in many of the larger polls. John, tell me if I'm wrong. They partner with major mainstream media organizations who I think help commission these polls, whether it's WSJ or the Washington Post or ABC. And we know darn well <laughs> we know darn well that they turn their news a certain direction. So it's not yeah, beyond I, I, my I, view. I, I don't know, but um, I, you're absolutely right that 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 this year nobody's really trusting the polls. Right. Certainly the candidates aren't. You right. know. Right. Um, um, here's another thing that's interesting to me, Seth. I know we're seeing this here in Minnesota. I'm not sure if we're seeing it around the country. But one thing that's really striking where I live is the large number of allegedly undecided voters. We see that in, in the presidential race, but we also see it in a big Senate race we have going on here in Minnesota, mm -hmm. where the Democratic incumbent in the most recent poll is leading by 1.43 to 42 percent, with like 14 percent undecided. That's a lot. And that's just weird. You yeah. know, 12 days out from the election, 14% of likely voters uh, don't know who they're going to vote for. Yeah. And, and, and I think the conventional wisdom would be that if, a, if an incumbent senator can't get over 43%, you know, she's in trouble. And, and what I suspect is going on, you know, there's always a lot of speculation about the shy Trump voters. Yep. Is that phenomenon real or not? And oh. I tend to be a skeptic there. Oh, okay. But but I do think that, we're, you know, at least where I live, we're seeing an awful lot of people who tell pollsters they're undecided. And and uh, I, I just suspect that most of those people who say they're undecided are, in fact, uh, going to turn out to be Trump voters. That's interesting. But you don't attribute that necessarily to shyness, just possibly trying to determine whether what it's the leftism well in this case like rhetoric. i say in general i'm not a big you know yeah. i'm not a big proponent of the shy yeah. you know conservative voter theory um not not that that never happens i i i'm, I'm but i'm kind of a skeptic but here okay. i do think it's true here okay. you know i don't i just don't believe that something like 14 percent of likely voters don't have their minds made up. You know, that's not, not true with the voters I know. And and I and I look at an incumbent senator that said, you know, only forty three percent say they're gonna vote for. Yeah. You know, and, and so in that case I do think that there are some some uh Republican voters who just prefer to call themselves undecided. You know, it's it's it seems to me that there's this natural tying, and it's I guess it's hard work, but there's this natural tying of the two things I mentioned that you posted about that I want to talk to you about, and it goes to the undecided voter. If these undecided voters knew more about the kind of bias you write about, whether it's in our public schools in this instance or in other areas, if they knew more about the cancel culture, if they knew more about the roots of the BLM movement, if they knew 
more of the kinds of things Powerline is great at and talk radio is important for exposing, I think they would tilt them right. I think they'd be less undecided. Don't you? Well, I do. I mean, there's no doubt that the fact that the Democrats, I should say the left, uh, control, you know, just about all the levers of power and influence. Yeah. Uh, does that hurt our side? Well, of course it does. I mean, you, you think does. about what President Trump has been through in the last four years, sure. you know, four years of hysteria over a complete fraud. Right. You know, the Russia collusion hoax turns out it was the other side that was colluding with the Russians. Yep. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And and even though everybody knows uh, the liberal press is biased and so on, nevertheless, when every single time a person looks at a newspaper, yeah. he sees an anti-Trump headline yeah. every day for four years, yeah. obviously that's going to hurt. Yeah, I, I, it obviously does. I've said for some time now, you probably agree, that it, it's harder to be a conservative because we are always pushing against that huge narrative. We're always pushing against that huge wall of one side, and it's a wall that isn't just the media. We'll get into it maybe in the second segment if you have time. I'd love to keep you one more segment. It's in the schools. It's not only in the media and the schools. It's in um, – it's in entertainment. And then we learn, of course, now it's not just the schools, the media and entertainment. It's also professional athletics. I mean, the wall gets bigger and bigger. It makes our well, job it's also ever big harder. Business, Seth. I mean, yeah. it, it's yeah. big technology. Yeah. And, and beyond that, it's, it's most of big business. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that never used to be true. And yet one has to marvel. How is it possible Donald Trump could even be president? I, I used to joke around in a way. You know, if an alien landed uh, in America and only got their news from the editorial pages of the Washington Post and the New York Times and, and evening news, they would wonder how is it possible that Ronald Reagan won 49 states, right? I mean, there's <laughs> there, 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 Well, there's, here's there, what I'll give you one, Seth. Here. The latest Gallup poll testing party identification found 1%, one point more people identifying themselves as Republicans than Democrats. Interesting. How is that possible? Well, right? yeah. Let me um, let me do this. Can you say one more segment, John? Sure, happy to. Love to have you. Because uh, I want to pick up on that, and then i got to do this story that the Scholastic Magazine has done that you wrote about, because that's where the fight is, folks. That's where the fight is. I'm Seth Leibson. He's John Hinderocker, co-editor and co-publisher, co-founder of uh, what I take to be the most important uh, website in America, the Powerline blog, powerlineblog.com. I'm Seth. He's John. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delight to have John Hinderocker from the Powerline blog on with us. Uh, John, um, before I do your piece about, uh, talk to you about what you wrote at Powerline about Scholastic Magazine, just one more thing on bias, because media bias, because it does come in so many ways. There's the positive, I don't know a better way to describe it, and then there's the negative or absence. So, for example, how many newspapers today reported the kidnapping plot against the Republican governor of Ohio? Compare and contrast that, which broke yesterday, compare and contrast that to the kidnapping plot against Governor Whitmer. Both horrendous, both terrible, both to be denounced and renounced all along the way. But if there's an angle 
the media can play. They will play it. And sometimes it has to do with publication, and sometimes it has to do with ignoring things. CNN, all day long, a week ago, uh, was it Friday? All day long, totally ignored the Sudan-Israeli-American peace agreement. Just ignored it. It's a monumental thing. Anyway, I, just a point. Sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's absent or negative, right? Well, I think that's, that's absolutely right. I think that journalists nowadays believe that their primary responsibility is to block the American people from learning facts that would be inconvenient for the Democratic Party. Right. Exactly right. All right. Let me now explain um, to the audience one more time. <laughs> well, John, when I get calls, well, I don't know what your answer is. I'd love to know it, actually. When people say, what what should we do? What should we do when it's a non-election year, I suppose? I say one thing. you got to run for school board. It's not sexy, maybe, but you got that's that's where the decisions that change and shape our culture and ultimately our politics are made. And as you pointed out, Scholastic Magazine, which is read by, you know, tens of millions of American elementary school children, they're getting it. They're getting it for free, so to speak. And they are getting a huge amount of propaganda in here, talking talking about Donald Trump and race, talking about protests, comparing and contrasting it. To, I mean, it's like giving MSNBC to every school student, isn't it? Well, it's actually even a little bit worse than it that. Might be worse. Um, okay. This is like the world according to Antifa. So yeah, Scholastic magazine. I remember this from when I was sure. a kid. Sure. Every school kid got it, and we'd yep. read it. Yep. Teachers would use it as a, as a teaching tool. So their election issue has just come out, mm-hmm. and they've got this whole section on Donald Trump and Joe Biden on the issues. And on Powerline, I wrote about just part of this, and that is the the so-called issue of racial justice. Yep. And so Scholastic Magazine, again, just going out to all these, you know, elementary and middle school kids all across America, begins by explaining, uh, quote, the long history of unjust treatment of black people in America is a major focus of this election, close quote. And then they go on to talk about unjust killings of black Americans, protests in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Everybody agrees with this, blah, blah, blah. You know, so that's, that's how they frame it. And then they talk about um, Donald Trump. So this is the kind of thing they have to say about Donald Trump mm-hmm. when it comes to what they call Russia, uh, racial justice. Yeah. They, they, they say overall he has defended law enforcement, mm-hmm. opposed protesters' calls for reforms, mm-hmm. and taken an aggressive stance against the largely peaceful demonstration. Right. Now, of course, right. the largely peaceful demonstrations, yep. of course, that, what that means is violent demonstrations. Right. right. But then they go on. They say, in July, for instance, he sent federal police to Portland, Oregon, to break up rallies there. Yeah, like a pep rally. Like, <laughs> rallies. like just, just the pep rally you'll see on Friday in football season. Yeah, pep rally. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. violence, you right. know, arson, rioting, looting. And then it goes on. Local officials say those officers illegally detained protesters and sparked violence. Yeah. In other words, it was just rallies right. until Trump briefly sent in some, some federal folks, and then it turned into uh, it sparked uh, Violence. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And it gets worse. Mm-hmm. It goes on. It says, many people see the president's response to the protests as part of a pattern of racism. Right. So this is the great, you know, the, the favorite dodge many of the journalist, yeah. Yeah. putting his yeah. own opinion in there in the yeah. guise of many people. Many people. Say, yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and then it goes on. It says, 
he has repeatedly made racist statements and at times shown support for people who promote white supremacy. Now, that is a flat-out lie. Okay, that, that is a lie that is being propagated to millions of American school children for the purpose of poisoning their minds against President Trump and his party and, and his supporters. So they know what we are learning, slowly, I think. They know that it pays or pays off to influence the minds of people who are too young to vote. Yet. Yet. They know that. They have figured that out. I think we're slow to this game. I think, you know, I have heard others say that, you know, we have kind of been a little too blithe about the, for lack of a better phrase, march through the institutions, the slow and long march through the institutions. But you want to know how a culture has changed? It's changed with shaping the minds of people who are still yet too young to vote. And this is how it's done, in part. This is a big part of how it's done, though. Right. It's a it's a huge part of how it is done. And and one of the things going on here is that standards for public school teachers have slipped badly. You know, when I was a kid, uh, where, I, where I went to school in South Dakota, public school teachers were smart. Uh, now, public school teachers are drawn from education members who on the are education majors in, in colleges who on the average have the lowest level of academic achievement. And so, you know, you're not being taught literature or mathematics or whatever, history, for the most part, you know, by a mathematician or a historian or whatever. You know, you're being taught by an education major who's like one chapter ahead of the kids in the book. And, and that's one of the reasons, I believe, why, why the quality of our public education has become absolutely terrible. And at the same time, the public schools in, in many states, mine and I think most states, are basically run by the teachers' unions. And the teachers' unions are on the very far left, and I mean the, the extreme left. And so that's who's running our schools. That's who is indoctrinating our teachers, and, and uh, the teachers are indoctrinating the kids. Do you think, John, in the next four to five years, the wake-up call about this will be ever increasing i mean it's been a slow increase but do you think it'll be a dramatic increase especially with what parents have learned during covid about what their students what their children are getting in schools uh well, one of the silver do you think you'll see an COVID increase is, in homeschooling yeah charters yeah i mean one of the silver yeah. linings of covid yeah. is that a lot of parents have had to actually focus on what's going on with yeah. their kids education yeah. and look for alternatives to the public schools and yeah. i think we have seen some growth in charter schools and private schools yeah as well yeah. as homeschooling, but you know it, it's going to take it's going to take way more of a pushback than we've than we've even imagined yes, so far. Yes, and we only we have to hope it's not too late. I you know, so. I mean, the, the the enemy has has seized all of the commanding heights of the culture, all of them. Well, and they we haven't seized power line or talk radio yet. They try. <laughs> they <Yeah>. try. <laughs> Say hi to your colleagues and your family for me, John Hinderocker. You do great Will work. do. Have a good, have a good, Thank good you, night. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you. We'll be right back. Let me put in a word for our latest sponsor, Nationwide Coin and Bullion Reserve. When things are uncertain, you want certainty. There's nothing more certain or solid as 
Gold. And Nationwide is a trusted source for precious metals. They have a 4.6 star rating on Trustpilot. Waiting to make these financial decisions until after the election could be costly. Nationwide Coin and Bullion Reserve has an exceptional offer for new customers. While supplies last, you can get a one-ounce Gold Eagle coin at cost for $18.75. You're not going to find that price anywhere else. Weight and purity are backed by the U.S. government. It's a great opportunity to safeguard your future, so call Nationwide at 800-850-1155. That's 800-850-1155. Dave, um, you have been waiting, and I appreciate it. I want to get you back on, and I have a bunch of others, so don't go away. I want to talk to all of you. Dave, thanks for your patience. You were making two points at the top of the last hour that you thought might be small points of uh, disagreement uh, between us. I remember the one about Democrat, Democratic Party. What, remind me of the other one, sir. Um, well, you had mentioned how a normal candidate after the primaries would move back to the center. Oh, yes. And I, right. think, I think Biden was bound to move further to the left because I think AOC is the thought leader in the party, and she's the one with the most energy. There's no question. I don't think we disagree. And if I said it uh, inartfully, I might have. I think what I was trying to say, let me try it this way and see if we agree. What I was trying to say is a lot of people have said, and, and, I, and I concur, that it's not so much that Joe Biden is a moderate and has always been a moderate. It's that Joe Biden has always been in the center of where the Democratic Party is. And today it is a party of the left, and that's where he is. That's what I was trying to say. Do we disagree on that? No, sir, not at all. Okay, yeah, yeah and he, you're right. He's, til- he's, sw- he's tilted quite a bit far to the left, but you're right, that whole spectrum yeah. for the DNC has shifted, you know, 60, 80 points to the left of where we thought the center of um, conservative versus uh, liberal or progressive was. Oh, it That's very much has. Oh, it very yeah. much has. You have had the head of the Democratic National Committee speaking of AOC as the future of the Democratic Party. Um, there would have been no need for Joe Biden to engage in a in a in a in a in a manifesto with Bernie Sanders that AOC was the first uh, name signed to. You, you just wouldn't have any of that. You wouldn't have Nancy Pelosi doing glossy pictures with the squad. You wouldn't have had or her endorsements and money sent to the squad members in their primary campaigns if it weren't true. I believe it is true. I believe that is where the Democratic Party is. I believe there are Democrats that don't want to think that, but it's wrong. The issue of why I say, I, get, I gather, tell me if I'm wrong, you were saying or you were pointing out that you, you prefer to call it the Democrat Party while I keep saying the Democratic Party. Is that it? Yeah, and it, it's not to pick on you. I think in general people do that. And, and I like to keep the distinction because I don't think they are Democratic, small d in nature. I get and it. I, I'll tell you I why I do it. it. I'll tell you why I keep saying the Democratic Party, and, and, and maybe you can always, all, all of you can persuade me otherwise. I, 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 I do hear about it from time to time. The reason I call it the Democratic Party is that's what they call themselves. And I have been, I was told years ago, and maybe it's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's wrong. But I was told years ago that if you want to bring Democrats over to your side, call them what they call themselves, and don't call them something that sounds like a clang or a diminishment of them. And I've just, that's the only reason I do it. I just, they call themselves that, I just give them what they call themselves. If you think I'm wrong, I, I, I could probably adjust. Well, I would humbly submit that words have meaning, and I think we should call them what they're appropriately labeled. They're nationally registered as the Democrat 
party. And I think when we give in, well, and we allow they them to control the, Democratic the language. Party? Aren't they called the Democratic Party? Officially? No, it's Democrat. No, no, I see, sir. Okay. And and I think that it does a disservice because it it gives people the impression that they are more Democratic, small d, than Republicans are. That somehow Republicans are the outsiders of this whole grand experiment. Okay. And and I don't fundamentally agree with that. But um, if you look them up, they're definitely the Democrat Party. Where do you say that? So I'm looking at the DNC website right now, and it says, Together We Are the Democratic Party, in bold letters. Um, just looking through Wikipedia, it's, it, I, I think they're actually, the way that they were formed, um, the, the registration forms. Uh, All right, we'll I, take I, a look. Trust. We'll take a look, and you can send me some more stuff. But you take, yeah, I, I, I take your point. Okay, yeah. I take Have a blessed point. day. Thank you so well much. Enough. Good enough. Thank you, Dave. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Love that voice. Love that voice. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're looking for something to boost your health, if you're looking for something to boost your immunity, if you're looking for something to give you more energy, you want it, of course, to be natural. You want balance of nature. I take it every single day. It gives me a lot more energy, a lot more health, and a lot more boosted immunity. It's full of all natural fruits and veggies, all the good stuff from apples and bananas and papayas and pineapples to zucchini, garlic, cayenne pepper, you name it. It's the most effective whole food supplement on the market, and they have a great deal, 35% off your first order and free shipping. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. And use discount code BALANCE. It's important to use discount code BALANCE. Don in Peoria. Don, this looks interesting. How are you, sir? Seth, you're a great American. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I, before I even uh, say what I was calling about, I just wanted to tell you, my first cassette tape was Kenny Rogers' Greatest Hits, and my second one was Juice Newton. Well, yeah, you're made for this show, man. I mean, this show was made for you, I should say. I don't know that there's another talk radio show in the country that plays Juice Newton. There are probably some that do Kenny. We do both. Well, you're amazing. I I got to Severinsen. I know, you know, you talk about other people, but I hear Doc Severinsen more than anybody. So Do you? All right. Well, you know, we know quality. We know quality. Yeah. Absolutely. So I live in the valley, work up in the mountains, rim country. And I just want to say, we're not COVID crazy up there. It is really shocking to come from the valley where everyone's just living in fear and all of that. And you go up to the mountains and you go to the restaurant. There's old and young dogs and cats living in perfect <laughs> harmony. There is, there's no drama. There's no fear. Sure, everyone's respectful. If someone is wearing a mask, we'll you know, accommodate them and, and put ours on. But for the most part, people What's just the aren't. average age, you say? I, you know, I've had a couple theses about this sort of thing, and it's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that people have chosen not to live in panic and doom. Uh, but what's the average age of the population you're talking about? Because I'll tell you what I've noticed, um, Don, is the older the population, in my experience, it's only anecdotal, um, the less fearful they are, which is ironic given they're the most susceptible 
to having the m- most dramatic of, of, of consequences if, if, if they acquire. But I think it's because they, they've lived life and they, they know that, you know, they've been through hard. They've been through worse things, in other words. I would agree with that. I would say it's an older population for the most part. They're independent. They've worked for a living. They have seen hardship. They've overcome it. They're not buying all of the hype. They've seen panic. The They've seen fear, and it never comes around. It never hey, comes if, around. If I get it, I get it. That's right. the thought. Can we talk I, about that? Even in, and I would even say if I die, I die. You know, I've lived a good life, and I'm not going to shut down. I'm not stopping my life because of this, you know, pandemic. Most of a, most it's healthy just, people it's so believe, refreshing. Yeah, well, most healthy people think life is for the living, but I don't even want to get to that last point quite yet, Don. I want to focus on the point. <laughs> well, I want to. Well, I say that because I want to focus yeah. on the point right before it, which is yeah. that we have been put into a constant storm of stories yeah. that makes us think that that is that last point is the point. So. I went to the CDC today because I think we forget this. They make the news, and I'm going to talk to the Holmans about this. The news makes a meal over cases. And, of course, you don't want to get it. Of course you don't, obviously, any more than you want to get anything that makes you or could make you ill, could make you ill. Of course not. But can we have a moment of pause for a second and realize I'm looking at the CDC website right now. CDC.gov slash coronavirus slash 2019-NCOV. If you get it and you are in the age group that I'm going to guess you and I are both in, I know I am, 50 to 69, if you're in the 50 to 69-year age group, your chances of surviving are 99.995%. Okay. If you are in the younger age cohort, 20 to 49, your chances of surviving are 99.9998%. Now, if you're in the 70-plus, I don't think you and I are, I'm not, I don't think you are, but if you're in the 70-plus, your chances of surviving, 99.946%. Can we have a little reality? Yes, you don't want to get it. And guess what? If you do... You're likely going to be fine if you're in the most vulnerable age category, 99.946%. You're going to be fine. Just follow the science, right? I wish we could. Now, (laughs) I got to tell you, I got to tell you, this is, I am getting this right off the CDC's website, right off it. Yeah. Infection fatality ratio, three scenarios, current best estimate, scenario five, that's what I'm using. And the other scenarios. Well, how long, how long ago, it wasn't that long ago that most obituaries said that the person died of pneumonia. Right. Now, why weren't we going through all of these measures? To combat pneumonia. Because everybody knew it wasn't just pneumonia. Right. Everybody knew that there were other factors involved. Right. The person was 89. It it wasn't just pneumonia. And I'm waiting to see all of, you know, what the the total deaths in this country are so that we can see if total deaths actually went down. Right. You know? My guess is they will have gone down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, they will have gone really, down in things really like the, 
I think they'll go down in the flu category. And I think they'll go down in the yeah. flu category because we have done to children what we have never done to them with the flu, which exactly. is much more lethal to them, which is yanked them out of school and exactly. imposed upon and them. And it's not just right. dying of COVID. Right. It's dying with COVID. Absolutely. And that's an important distinction that you never hear. One more thing I wanted to say on the polling. Yes, sir. My wife and I are big Trump supporters. We're independent. We work for a living. We don't think it's anybody else's business who we're voting for. When I when I get all those calls, I don't even answer them. When my wife gets them, she says every single time, Biden, Biden, Biden. No kidding. And the reason no the kidding. reason is twofold. Yeah. We don't. We want to wake up the people that don't want socialism. And we'd rather see Biden's numbers higher than Trump's right now because we want to wake up the people that are apathetic. Wow. You know, that, and if people really do, you know, show up to vote because they're against something, I want them to show up because they're against socialism. Wow. What a great call, Don. Where, where have well, you thank been, you so much. I really appreciate you. You start with Juice hey, Newton and Kenny man. Rogers and Doc Severinsen and you... Where have you been all my life, Don? Stay We're close. We're going to sit down and smoke a five-cent cigar sometime. If we can find one, we'll smoke them. All right, Don. Thank you, <laughs> sir. We'll be right back. If you're in the midst of selling your home and it's not going as well as you think it should, or if you are planning on selling your home, I want you to call my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. He is a friend, and a lot of friends of mine have used him and sing his praises as highly as I do. There's a reason the Phoenix Business Journal ranks James the number one selling individual agent in Arizona. It's because he is. He guarantees to sell your home at market value, or he'll pay you the difference. He can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer within 24 hours of reaching out to him if that is your preference. Give him a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. Dick in Phoenix, thanks for waiting. Dick, are you there? Uh, yes, sir, I am. Go you? right ahead, sir. Thanks for your patience. Oh, it's a pleasure. Hey, you know, Seth, I, I've, I've been a member of your show for a long time. I really enjoy listening to a young person that has not been socialized by Arizona State University. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank uh, you. I, I tell you, I used to, I, I graduated from there with a lot of hard knocks. I was a conservative all the time I was there and then later became an instructor. I taught criminal law for the law enforcement agencies, you know, and also for the military. Bless you. And um, during this past few months, uh, I ran into a gentleman in the Hispanic, and uh, all of a sudden he stood up and he said, I hate Trump. Yeah. So I stood up alongside him and I said, why? And he said, well, I hate him. And I said, well, are you, you know, you, are you a robot or do you, you, do you have the ability to think on your own? Well, I can think of my and I said, if I put something in your hand, you tell me why you hate President Trump, you know, I hope it's for you. And over a period of time, I, you know, about eight months, I kept on shoving all this literature in front of me, and about oh, two weeks ago, I ran into him. Yeah. He retired. Yeah. But guess what? He's very high in the Democratic Party. And he told me something. He said, Dick, he said, I want to thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, guess who I'm voting for? And I thought, 
He said, no, I'm voting for Trump. No kidding. I said, I shook his hand and gave him a hug. I said, thank of course. you so much. I appreciate that. You know, no kidding. He opened my eyes to a lot of things. He said, it was your kind. Can I pause on a point here? That let me let me pause on the importance of what you're talking yeah. about, Dick. Because a lot of us, me at times too, I have to confess, don't want to engage, you know? We don't want Yeah, to. because they're so they're It's so hard, so... it's exhausting. You hear the same thing over and over again. Sometimes they're just impervious. But you never know. You never know if you're going to get one who isn't impervious and who is open to it. And boy, if one means one and then he goes on, it's like that old shampoo commercial and she tells someone and she tells someone, but if he convinces another and he can do it from the perspective of, you know, a month ago I would have agreed with you, but lately I've been thinking otherwise. The power of that multiplied is so critical. Now, this was a short segment, Dick, and I do have some guests coming on, so I apologize if you didn't get to your main point or you want to discuss this further. Give me a call tomorrow and we'll do it, I promise you. But the Hallmans are coming right up.